You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about comics and interviewing author Amber Benson. But first... What are you reading, Bria? Oh, I am reading Wildwood. Wildwood. Wildwood by Colin Malloy. I've never heard of this. Oh, it is, well, one, he's going to be on the show, so you should read it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's going on the show soon. People might know Colin Malloy. He is in the band The Decemberists. Oh, this, oh, yes! My fiance may or may not be working with them right now. It's called Wildwood, and it has illustrations by Car- Carson Ellis, who... Uh, they are married. They are a married couple, which is pretty oh, cute. That's so cute. But it's basically it's a YA book set in Portland, Oregon, where the Decemberists live, also where my fiance is right now. Very exciting. Very and exciting. where I'm going in a couple of days. I'll be there. And it is set in the woods outside of Portland, and a girl goes in and it sort of becomes like a YA Lord of the Rings or YA Game of Thrones, where it's a bunch of people battling each other and also there are animals who are can talk and oh, there are I'm also ba- people I, living are there any you. bears that can talk there are but they don't play a huge role that's fine i mean i just need a little bit okay yeah there are there's in. definitely a bear i feel like maybe he's wearing overalls in one I'm of the la- totally latter scenes in. but yeah it's pretty great it's great what are you reading mallory i'm reading a book called marrow island by alexis m smith and cult alert if you're into cult books uh it's kind of it's like a cult environmental thriller and it's really really good so far it's basically about this girl when she's a little kid she grows up on this island there's two there's two islands that are like within 12 miles of each other so they like sort of support each other but it's off it's in uh, near seattle and she grows up there reading books in the pacific yeah, northwest so, well tomorrow i'm going up to twin peaks for oh, yeah. a few days We're so i figured traveling this was up that way too that's so weird yes so she grows up there until there's a cr- big crazy earthquake and her family has to move away and her dad dies it's not a spoiler it's like happens really early on but later in life things aren't going so well for her as we know that i love <laughs> ladies who are down on their luck she gets a, a letter from her best friend who still lives on the island it's like hey we formed this really nice commune you should come visit and she's not really interested in joining the commune but she is a freelance journalist and she's like oh maybe i could do a story and she goes there and some weird stuff starts to happen does I'm not it gonna... involve marrow I don't know. Oh, it's just, maybe. It's just a scary, I think it's just called it's Marrow just like Island. It's like a creepy island. Oh, yeah. it's called Marrow Island. I uh, was yeah. thinking bone marrow. It might be. I mean, I who knows? Maybe they suck your bone marrow out. I mean, I, I'm only like a fourth of the way into it right now. But yeah, it's really, really good. There was an ant on me. I just got scared. The the cult's coming to get you, Bri. <laughs> Uh, We want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Aiden wrote in, On the most recent discussion of spoilers, I thought I'd mention my favorite spoilers rule. The Vlog Brothers, Hank and John Green, came up with a great rule on their podcast. They said that you can never spoil fiction, but you can always spoil nonfiction because one is real and therefore history or news, and one is fictional and there will always be someone who hasn't read it yet. For example, even though Harry Potter has been out for more than two decades, there are always new people starting the books who don't know all the spoilers yet. Plus, why would you want to spoil something for someone unless you're a terrible person? Anyway, that's just the rule I follow. Aiden, I'm mostly with you on that. I am too. I do think if it's been out for a really long time, and especially it's like, I don't feel like I'm going to spoil anything by, well, I was about to give a Harry Potter spoiler, but I guess if someone hasn't read it and they're going to read it for the first time, I just feel like it's not going to make a huge difference. But I understand this. 
I understand the nonfiction versus fiction. That totally makes sense. Like you, you're not going to be like Nixon gets impeached. Like, oh, no. like how guys, we... surprise! Hitler doesn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> For all you Hitler read, all you reading Hitler books all the time. Hey man, people are right now. This is some scary shit going I guess down. That's probably true. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a good that's a good rule. But the, so you can never spoil anything fiction ever. As his. Well, I think that when you're, I, I think my general rule is that if I'm talking about books with somebody before. Even no matter what, I always say, oh, have you read this? Just so I know. Yeah. The other thing I always ask is, are you going to read it? Yes. No, I, I do the same thing. I'm going to tell you what the ending was. I do, the same, I do that with my boyfriend all the time. And when I'm talking to him about books and I'm like telling him all the stuff that's going to happen, I'm like, wait, are you going to read this? Are you going to read this? Because I don't want to tell you if you're going to read it. Yeah. I think that's a great way of doing it. Yes. So Martha wrote in and said, I'm a librarian and I've been enjoying reading glasses quite a bit. Thank you for all the library love. You'd be surprised by how many people, even big readers, don't know that libraries offer ebooks. You mentioned Overdrive a lot, which I love because I manage the ebook collection for my library and it's something that I can talk up a lot. One thing a lot of Overdrive users are not not aware of is the fact that publishers charge libraries a lot more for ebooks. I had no idea. About yeah, this. yeah, this is fascinating. For example, a new bestseller from Penguin Random House is usually about $60 per book for libraries. Some publishers like HarperCollins have metered access, which means you typically purchase a book for a more reasonable reasonable price, like $15 to $20, but it comes with a limited number of checkouts. Uh, HarperCollins chose the arbitrary number of 26. So after 26 checkouts, the library has to repurchase the books, and there's usually a small discount. All of Simon & Schuster eBooks uh, expire after a year of usage and have to be repurchased, also in the $15, $20 range. And um, some do a combination where you pay $50 for a book and you get 52 checkouts for two years. There's all sorts of models, basically, is what she's telling us. Um, She has $1,000 to spend on eBooks each month, and it usually gets her around 30 titles, which is really not that many. Yeah. Um, she says this, she's mentioning it, not to discourage the use of e-collections. In all caps, she wrote, Keep checking things out. I'm serious. The only way we can justify expenses is by being able to point to demand usage. Demand slash usage. So keep doing what you are doing. Rather, I'm mentioning it because publishers tend to respond more to consumers than they do to libraries, and this seems like a platform that might be willing to share this information. We are. We're sharing it. (laughs) I think a lot of publishers tend to think of libraries as a sort of weird competitor because we lend out books for free, which I don't think facilitates conversations about favorable licensing terms. I also mention it because if you're looking to support your library with any kind of financial gift, ebook budgets are often in need of additional support, especially in smaller libraries. That is so good to know. I mean, you know what? It's funny because I didn't know these numbers. I had no idea. So the idea that, you know, and they all are different, but after 26 checkouts, you have to repurchase purchase the book seems crazy to me. Yeah. Because I've personally probably checked out some books like five or six times. I was just going to say, Bria's racking up the points at the library. I wonder if that means I should change my style of checking out things. That would be a good question for a librarian. Yeah, because I'm screwing them. Or, I mean, but... You know, you're also driving their numbers up. You could say, look, how many people check the, out this book? Bria Grant alone Bria has Grant checked, alone. It out. checked it out five times. <laughs> she didn't read it till the fifth time. <laughs> so it's, I mean, support your libraries, people. You know, keep keep using them. Don't let, if they're going to be, like, I think she's right. If, if they're going to be spending $60 per ebook, people need to use them. They need to be able to justify those expenses. Yeah, for sure. You might be carrying the library, Bria. <laughs> their L-I-P-L. library only has ebooks because there are certain books that I request and it takes them forever to buy it. And I'm like, it's because like I'm the only person who requested the this The LAPL weird... is resting on Bria Grant's shoulders. 
Uh, so you can email your feedback to us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Also, again, I, we've said this on past episodes before, but I want to remind everybody, because we've gotten a few emails lately that are inquiring about this. If you want to find the Facebook group, all you have to do is type in reading glasses into the search bar on Facebook and look under groups. And there, there we are. We can link it on the show notes, too. Oh, okay. We could do that. We could, yeah, we could, we do, could that. do that. That would probably save a lot of people some trouble. Also, this week, we are very happy to be offering an interactive transcript of the show through a program called Greta, a website called Greta. So you can go to Greta, G-R-E-T-T-A dot com slash reading underscore glasses. So Greta dot com slash reading underscore glasses to see... All of the transcripts for our show, for this show, starting with this show, and to turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you can actually share on social media. We've been trying to share some. And this is very exciting for us. This is a test run. We are one of the first podcasts partnering with this website to do this. So it's really exciting for us. Yes, we're really, really excited. It's really important for us to make sure that reading glasses is as accessible as it possibly can be. So for all readers and fans of the show that are hearing impaired or deaf, this is a great service to partner with. Uh, Starting with episode 17, it's available on Greta.com. We checked it out. It's pretty cool. They do a really, really great job. It's very user friendly. And it's kind of cool that you can share clips on social media. We, We have some up on our Twitter right now. You guys should go check it out. If you if you are always like, I wish I could share that funny part of that podcast, like this is the way you can actually go do that. Yes. It's pretty cool. Uh, and it is a test run. Uh, we're one of the first shows to partner up with Greta. So if you have uh, people who love reading podcasts, who are interested in being able to share moments if uh, that are deaf or hearing impaired, please send uh, Reading Glasses uh, Greta page over to them and see what they think. We're really interested in your thoughts. Again, it's greta.com slash reading underscore glasses. So before we talk comics, we're going to take a quick break. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases, I ask them questions, they're good ones, and then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flobie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. So this week, we're talking comics. There's so much to know about comics that it can be pretty intimidating to get into. Single issues, trades, Marvel versus DC. Don't forget about IDW, because maybe one of us has written comics for IDW. And also, we had Chris Weil on the show recently, who was with IDW. And what if you aren't into superheroes? You know... We, there's so a lot of people get nervous about getting into comics because it just seems like such a big vast world and there's so much to to learn. So we're here to help you guys out. Mallory, do you want to know where the font Comic Sans originated? Which is what any of the the bubbles in comic books, the writing bubbles. Do you know? Do you know what comic book originated it? No. Watchmen. 
Really? Yeah. Watchmen is responsible for Comic Sans? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Dave Gibbons was the letterer for that book, and he caused the font dreadful. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine that being your contribution to history? Yeah, you made Comic His Sans. His tombstone's going to be in Comic Sans. <laughs> True. <laughs> that would be so weird. But if you would write comic books, your your tombstone should be in Comic Sans. That's a really weird curse to have. Also, you should like like your house Bria, number. Your, your tombstone is going to be in Comic Sans. I don't think so. You wrote a comic. Mine's just going to be written with like a like a ghost finger in the sand over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> ghost finger. <laughs> Mallory, do you read comics? I fucking love comics. I really, really love comic books. I avoided them a lot when I was growing up because I thought they were just superheroes. And, you know, back when we were growing up, superheroes were mostly straight white dudes. And I was pretty bored by that. Plus, I thought that, you know... The comic book nerds at the comic book store would totally judge me because I didn't know anything more about comics. I thought they would be mean to me. Uh, but when I was in my early 20s, a uh, friend of mine was so desperate to get me into comic books that he bought me a bunch. He bought me the first trade of Sandman, uh, the first trade of Lock and Key, and uh, We Three, which is a Grant Morrison comic. And I was completely hooked because they weren't superheroes. They were all weird and they were horror. And We I- Three is actually a really good one for people who like animals. It's a yes. good animal one. We three is amazing. There's just so much more to the world of comics. Even if you're not into genre, there are lots of comics that are like the equivalent of literary fiction. I think it's a great way to add to your reading life or get you out of a book slump because it's something totally different. As you can imagine, I read my comics in physical form. I buy single issues of series and writers and artists that I really, really love. And then I buy the trade, which is the shorthand for all of the issues of a run put together in one book. Bria, do you e-read comics? I know you have a lot of physical comics, but like your day-to-day... I do not. That is very surprising to me. Well, because it's because I read. This is the one place where I sort of diverge from my like love of e-reading. I should have redone my my intro. Bria wow. Grant, actress, filmmaker, e-reader of physical of books, physical reader of comic books. That's a comp- <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That's too, it's long. too complicated. It's too complicated. Um, I do know a lot of people who do e-read comics. In fact, uh, I have me too. I our know. mutual friend Jason Miller, I was just asked him to borrow the last trade of a book, and he was like, "Oh no, I e-read," and I was like, "Oh." Jason would though. Jason's really into sci-fi. I tech. was actually, I was surprised. I was uh-huh. actually really surprised about it. So, just for those who are interested in e-reading comics, iPads and tablets really do lend themselves to this. If you have like a high, a, a nice iPad, I don't think the Kindle is a good place for it. I have read a comic on my Kindle, which is black and white, and it is no fun. No, because most, of, I mean, half of the comic is the art. Yeah, yeah. Geekdad.com had a great article about this, and he said that we'll a tablet— We'll link this in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, He said a tablet that is high resolution and eight inches or larger, he said, is kind of what you need if you, you're going to read comics on there. And then if you're going to purchase comics, the number one place is Comixology. I'm sure if you read comics at all, that's the place you've heard of it. It's a great place—that's a place you've heard of. Uh, that You can get comics month to month, and you don't have to actually go to your comic book store, which is really nice because the problem I always have—I read a lot of comics— but I never can make it out and get single issues because I'll forget. I yeah. just forget. I forget to get the month-to-month issue. So I, a lot of times I buy trades. But Comixology can just send them right to your Kindle and they're ready to go for you when, when it's time to read it. There's also a couple other Very specific ones. It. Yeah, Marvel Unlimited is one people really like because you can get every Marvel thing in the Marvel Universe in case you did want to read a bunch of superhero stuff and you're like, I really have to know everything there is to know about this particular Marvel storyline. And it's a monthly subscription of 10 bucks, which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Like, considering that a trade is between nine nine ninety nine and like 
twenty five ninety nine depending yeah, on 25, how big it is. I mean, I would say yeah, most trades are in the like above fifteen dollar range. But fun fact, almost every first trade from Image, which is my f- one of my favorite uh, comics publishers, is always nine ninety nine because they want to hook you. Oh, so and then the next ones, they're like, now it's thirty five dollars. Now it's nineteen ninety five. Really? Yeah, or fourteen ninety nine. But if for, if you're looking to try some trades and you're you're on a budget, always go with Image because the first one's always nine ninety nine. So if you're like me and Bria and you want to buy physical comics, you can buy trades, which are, again, all, like the first run of, of a series or a run of a series all put together in one book. Um, you can buy them most places. Books are sold. Many bookstores, even chain ones like Barnes & Noble, have comic sections. Uh, and they'll be either alphabetical by author or a lot of places will organize them by publisher. I'm a big fan, as you guys can probably imagine, of horror and weird comics. I still, even now, I don't read a lot of superheroes. I have, I'm not as big of a superhero fan. My favorite superhero probably would be Hellboy, if you want oh, to count yeah. him as a superhero, or The Goon, which is one of my favorite comics by Eric Powell. Dark Horse and Vertigo and IDW put out a lot of horror and weird comics. Mm-hmm. IDW does Lock and Key. Dark Horse does Hellboy. So those are good places if you want to look for something that's not, you know, not X-Men, not Thor, not sort of off the beaten path of what you would normally think comics are. Yeah. I, and I read a lot of books that I have read. I do read some superhero stuff. I mean, I, I was into X-Factor. I am, which is a superhero sort of book, uh, or it's you know X Men. X Men are superheroes. Yeah, they right. have they have powers, but I don't read what people traditionally call capes very much. The capes comics. Oh, uh, I, I like to, that term, but that's wicked true. Yeah, it's true, and I tend to go more towards the the weird sort of other kinds of comics, but which are not even necessarily weird at this point. I feel like this is the, the this is what comics has become. It's become yeah. a place for so many types of books. Like people still think of comic book. Comic books is a place where, like, like boys go and read their, read. their superhero things. Yeah. That is, like, not the way the comic community oh, is Oh, absolutely. Anymore. And that's, that's sort of the point of this whole episode is that comics is not for a bunch of white kids and white white boys in an 80s movie reading in, in their treehouse while they get jam on their fingers. Like, no. that's not what comics is anymore. It's Although, told- if you are into that, you should check out Paper Girls, which is basically <laughs> Stranger Things with aliens and girls. I actually love Paper Girls. It Brian really K. Vaughn wrote that. He has written a lot of comics that I really, really love, including Why the Last Man. Comics are, are totally a legitimate form of both art and literature. There's so many, many comics that are just incredible and really, really important. And you shouldn't write them off as something that like just teenagers or little boys read. I mean, it's just it's a very, very important part of the book world. Yeah. So, for example, Mouse by Art Spiegelman, which documents his father's history as a Holocaust survivor. But in the book, the Germans are all cats and pigs and things. And then all the um, the Jewish people are are mice. That's a great if you like history yeah. and you and you that's an that's an amazing book. Uh, March is a book by Congressman John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell. Which Didn't they is win about, a National Book Award? Yeah, last year? it won so many awards last year. It's about Lewis's lifelong struggle with in the civil rights movement, which is amazing. <laughs> or Persepolis, which is an autobiography about Marjane Satrapi's life growing up in Iran, which is a whole which got made into a movie. There's just all sorts of comic books, and there's comic books for any kind of thing you're looking for. Absolutely. They definitely specialize in the more fantastical things because the thing I like about comic books is they can achieve things that you can't achieve in a lot of movies. Although Absolutely. these days they're achieving a lot of things in movies. That's true. But, but they can be so fantastical and so big but they're all coming from a person's imagination and that is really fascinating to me. Huh. Also, don't forget about, about manga or manga. 
as yeah, people that, say. I have really just dipped my toe into the tiniest corner of manga. I have read some horror comics or uh, horror manga, which I've really, really enjoyed. But it's just like that's another whole. We got to do an we, episode we, we, we on manga. do a whole episode on manga. So for me, for my personal comic book uh, journey, because I also didn't read them as a kid. I was not introduced to comics until my late teens, early 20s. I My gateway book was a Grant Morrison book called The Invisibles, also a Grant Morrison book, which was a book that my brother had at his apartment, and I just started reading it and decided I really liked it, and then started buying other comic books. But I found a really nice place in the comic book community. I love my friends who work in comics. They're all so nice and they're so supportive. And I was literally just at a festival, a film festival that you were at last week. And I was wearing a Saga shirt, which is a comic book I read. And, and so also we... written by Brian K. Vaughn, oh, which yeah, is what he's probably most known for. Also art by Fiona Staples. Their Saga is just stunning. You yeah, it's totally a beautiful. It. It's a beautiful book. And um, so many people came up to me and they were like, Saga, I love Saga. Because the comic book community is still... People who actually read the books are there's not a ton of people in it, but it's more than it used to be. But people, I still think they find a lot of you find a lot of affinity with the people that you meet. You know what I mean? Oh, I really, definitely. I really like that community because you can talk about the books, and it's not like you had to read you know 800 pages of a book to be included in on the conversations. Like you don't have yeah. to go back and read every Superman book to be into comics. I've never even read a Superman book. Same but, here. But, well, that's, that's what also what I found because I was again I spent most of my life being so intimidated because you see you see it on TV and on TV shows these comic book fans that can rattle off every issue oh, yeah. of everything ever, and it's not like that. Every comic fan I've ever met. No one's going to grill you. Nobody's going to quiz you. No one's going to be like, well, you haven't read every X-Men issue, so you're not a real comics fan. I and if they do... I time that that was a thing, oh, yeah. but I think that that these days the comic book world has, is just opening up to it's more people. It's so inclusive. It's so wonderful. There are so many great people working in comics. And if somebody does say that stuff to you, you know what you can do. Throw them in the garbage. Just throw them right in that garbage can. <laughs> so... Uh, the best way to support a comic that you like is to buy the issues as they come out. And as we said earlier, sometimes it's difficult to getting down to the comic book store, so you can do it digitally. But if you do have a great local comic book store, you want to go there and you can create something called a pull list. And don't be shy. They won't be mean to you like we just said. They're going to be awesome and supportive and cool. A uh, pull list is a list of a series that you want to read. And whenever a new issue comes out, the store will set it aside for you in a little box. So you say, I, I like this, 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 and that. So every time a new issue comes out, they'll put it all together for you. And then you can go to the store, pick up your pull list. And you don't have to do that if you don't want to. Uh, you can also just go to the store and buy the single issues. They're going to be on a rack. If you ever need help, don't feel intimidated. Just ask people. Their comic book people are really, really, really nice. And they're going to help you. They're not going to judge you. They're not going to tell you that you're a fake fan and that you're an, you're a poser, or that you're, you know, you don't have enough comic book cred. They're going to be cool to you. And the, and the best way to support a comic book writer or comic book artist is to go and request their book before it comes comes out yeah. and request and request the single issues and when I was writing a book that was what that you go and you requested and that was the greatest thing because then the comic book store actually orders books mm -hmm. from the person and just like we talked about in our translated books episode it's really important to name the artist along with the writer uh, if you can if you should go and find out the letterer and the colorist as well because it's not just the writer who goes into the comic it's a it's a whole team of artists and amazing people and far too often just the writer is the person who gets credit, but the artist is just as much of a part of the creation of the comic. There's also like a ton of books about things that you probably don't even know you need. Like there is a book called Bitch Planet. Oh, which is one of my favorite comic books ever. And I want to load a helicopter with 
copies of Bitch Planet and then just like release them all over the country. It is like a super, super, it's like uh, The Handmaid's Tale in space. Yeah, you didn't know you needed you needed a comic book ba- in, set in a women's prison in, sp- in on another planet, but you needed it. You absolutely, it changed my life. You, I love Bitch Planet. It's written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, who's one of my favorite writers, and drawn, and the art's done by a guy named Val Delandro, and it is fucking incredible yeah there's and there's a bunch of books like that that like you didn't know you needed this but you probably did need to read about a post-apocalyptic world covered in weird trees and whatever like there's all sorts of ellis yeah yeah i love that comic (laughs) trees oh that's a good one so so we want to hear your thoughts on comics and you can send them to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com before we talk to author Amber, amber benson we're gonna take a short break Hey, you, with the headphones. Just between you and me, the MaxFun store just got some of that sweet, sweet new merch in stock. You know, that merch from your favorite MaxFun shows? Could be posters, tote bags, shirts, stickers, patches, aprons. We got it all. Well, we got a lot. Point is, there's some new stuff. Go to MaxFunStore.com. So here we are with author Amber Benson. Amber, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. So we always like to start off, what are you reading right now? Um, I am reading right now. Um, I'm obsessed with Fred Vargas. <laughs> Fred Vargas is the synonym for a, a French uh, mystery thriller writer who is actually, I think, if I'm getting this correct, she's a professor and archaeologist uh, in real life. Um, but she writes this mystery series uh, set in Paris, and they're so freaking good. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Highly recommend. There's like not eight or nine books, and there's like two series, and they're kind of interconnected. And it's just really smart. The mysteries are interesting. It's very literary, even though it's a mystery thriller kind of genre. It's really smart. Oh, that sounds awesome. So, Amber, you have written novels, you've written comics, you've written screenplays, and now you just wrote the new graphic novel of Clueless with author Sarah Kuhn. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, um, Boom Studios had the license for Clueless, and I know a bunch of people over there, and, and I had lunch with uh, with Bryce, one of the, the guys, and he was like, you know, we have this license, and we thought you would be a good fit for Clueless. And I was like, I would love to do Clueless, but... I don't know if I can do it justice by myself. I have a friend, Sarah Kuhn, who is incredibly talented. And I just think if the two of us put our heads together, we could make something way better than I could come with, come up with on my own. So, uh, so they were like, yeah, let's bring Sarah on board. And Sarah was down to do it. She's a huge fan of Clueless. And I know you guys have spoken to her on your podcast. She's awesome. We love her. And, uh, and we just, we worked together to do the outline. We sort of used some of the other Austin books as inspiration for the sort of four sequences in, in the, uh, in the comic book. It's like spring, summer, winter, fall kind of, you know, and each one is told from a different point of view. And, uh, so we were able to incorporate Dion and Ty's perspectives. It wasn't just the share show, which, we all love Cher, but we wanted to get into the sort of mindset of the other, the other awesome women and uh, really dig into their friendship. For us, it was much more about like the female friendships and how they're there to support each other and lift each other up. 
And I feel like that gets short shrift a lot of times. It's very much, how do women deal with each other? Oh, they talk about boys. And we didn't want to do that. We wanted it to be about who are we? What are we trying to do with our lives? Who do we want to be when we're adults? And let's help each other to find our true selves. Yeah, I thought it was a really feminist take on the whole thing. You know, it was a very updated uh, uh, take on Clueless, which I loved the movie and I loved the comic. I thought it was awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Amy Heckerling is is a genius. Like you rewatch re Clueless and it's so smart and so funny and biting and satirical. And we just were like, if we can do like a quarter of what Amy Heckerling does in the movie, then we will be satisfied because it is it is really tough. The dialogue especially is... It's so of the time, but it's also really smart. So you have to like, okay, what's the smart thing being said? Now let's turn it into clueless speak. So, you know, it was like trying to imitate, you know, a Shakespearean sonnet. Like, okay, what am I trying to say? Now let's put it in, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, framework that, that is Shakespearean. Um, what was it? So it, you, you and Sarah co-authored this together. Did you guys have like a system? Did you switch back and forth? So what we did is we came up with the outline together. We knew what we wanted to do. We knew that it would start with Cher and end with Cher's perspective. We knew we def we definitely needed like Dion and Ty to have sort of adventures that were them centric, but also included, you know, all three girls. And so we broke it into chunks. So, uh, you know, Sarah would do one section and then I would do the, you know, the following section and then she'd do the next section and then I'd do the last or vice, you know, we just broke it into chunks. So, you know, each, each one is sort of one of us, our sort of first take on it. And then we would go back and forth until we felt like it was both of our voices, that it was the voice of the character who was the sort of focal point of that section and that it all made sense and was funny. So it was a long, it was a long back and forth process, but like I said, Sarah's an incredible collaborator. And, you know, once we were done with the writing, we then collaborated with our, our, um, our artist, Siobhan, who's incredible and Shan, our colorist and Jim, our letterer, like everybody just brought their game, the editors, and it was very women centric. So that was really cool. Fuck yeah. That's super cool. So if you had to say what kind of graphic novels or comic books Cher would read, what would she read? You know, I, this is something that I have thought about because I'm like, I don't know how much of a comic book fan Cher would be. But like, I think she, if she started talking to Ty, Ty would be like, all right, I think you should probably read Blankets. And mm -hmm. I think we should get you some like... Um, Oh, maybe we'll get you into some superhero stuff, maybe some Wonder Woman stuff to start with, and then maybe some X-Men to kind of like, you know, get you more excited about the superhero stuff. And then we'll take you back to like Promethea. So I think Ty would be like her guide and would take her through like a really interesting, odd, fringy, but also, you know, normal sort of comic book experience. You are obviously also a big reader. Do you have any weird reading quirks you want to share with us? Um, I started reading books on my iPhone and I get made fun of because I, I, I have a tablet and I don't, uh, I don't like to use it to read on. I don't know why I like my phone better. So sometimes, and I'm very, very blind. I'm very, very, very uh, nearsighted. So sometimes I'll take my glasses off and close one eye and like have the phone right up to my face to read. <laughs> so I, I look very odd. I don't do that out in public, but sometimes in the bed when I get up in the morning, I'm like, I just, I don't want to get up. I'm going to read a little. So I'll have the phone up to my face and I'm like reading with one eye closed. Yeah. 
I can't believe that I is, uh, said that. <laughs> Why did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah, we love it. We love that kind of stuff. That, that's, we live for that. <laughs> you have a, a book or a graphic novel that you like to gift to people? Um, yes. The book that I loved and I, and I have gifted to numerous women. I don't know if I've gifted to any men. I gifted one of the sequels to my friend Jeff, but uh, Girl by Blake Nelson. Mm, yeah. I've never read that. I haven't either. What? what? Oh my gosh. You guys. All right. I'm going to have to to gift you guys some girl. Um, that sounded really dirty. Um, but it's awesome. I read an excerpt of it in Sassy Magazine when I was like 13 or 14 maybe even younger, like 12, 12 or 13, somewhere in there. And I was like, this is awesome. It's about this girl who's living in Portland and it's sort of in the grunge era. And it's just, it's awesome. It's just a total amazing coming of age story, but it's really smart. And like Nelson is really smart. He, you know, he's written a ton of stuff um, and is super, super talented. Um, so do you have any new projects you want to talk about? Um, I am working on, uh, another Disney book, actually. Uh, my, my friend Dominic Visignano and I, uh, he works on Star versus the Forces of Evil. He's one of the, the producer writers and we wrote an ancillary book for the show. Um, Star Marco's guide to, to the, you know, to multiple dimensions, basically, um, is sort of the vibe of it. And so then we got asked to do another one. So I've been working on that with Darren, the creator of the show and with Dominic and, we're, uh, we're, we're working on that. And, uh, let's see, I think that's kind of, that's kind of it. I got roped back into to acting a little bit. I worked on this little indie film called the nightmare gallery, and it was really fun to, uh, cool. to run around and be, uh, to be this, this kind of badass, uh, uh, but also sort of conflicted, uh, professor looking for some mysterious books. Um, it was fun. It was, it was very on brand for you, Amber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a totally on brand for me. Jeez. <laughs> so where can we find you online? Um, well, you know, I'm I'm trying to move away from social media. It was just I just feel like it takes up so much of your time. And to be honest with you, there's just a lot of like gnarly stuff on there these days. But you oh, yeah. you can still find me. I'm at Amber underscore Benson. You have to put the underscore in between my first and last name because there is an, uh, there's another Amber Benson and she is very kind, but she gets very annoyed with people <laughs> tagging her. Um, so I'm always like, don't forget the underscore. Um, so that that's primarily if I'm doing anything, it's that or on Instagram, it's my name backwards. It's um, at Rebma underscore uh, Nasneb. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Amber. Oh, no, thank you guys. It's fun to talk about books. Yay. And Fred Vargas for the win. Now we're going to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Vanessa writes, how do you keep the details of a comic book series clear in your memory in between publications? I'm one of those people who waits for the graphic novel rather than getting individual comic issues. But when months go by before the next volume, I often find that I have to go back and skim or reread the previous volume. I sometimes have this problem with series of prose books as well, usually mysteries or fantasy. Any advice on remembering who was where and doing what when we saw our beloved characters last? What do you do, Bria? 
Oh, man, I have the same problem. I think everybody has this problem, especially when you're reading a lot of different... I read a bunch of different comics. Yeah, comics or even books. I was going to say, I was just at a friend's house who's reading Death's End, which is the third in a series, and they're like a thousand pages long, and he was rereading the one before it, and I was like, you're about to read a thousand page book, and to prep, you're reading a thousand page book. I was very impressed. I do not do that. I, I not with books and not with series. I'm not a rereader, which I think people know this about me. That's basically would be torture for me. But I find that once I get into the book, the book starts to come back to me. Once I get in, the the previous book starts to come back to me. Um, a lot of comics have recaps, or especially the beginnings of the trades, they'll have recaps. They're like last time on yeah. in this comic book. If you read which the I intro, really am happy about. But I also find that this is a really great book conversation because. So I have this theory about Game of Thrones, which is that, you know, I skipped like five seasons of Game of Thrones. People hate this about me when they find out. But when I go and I ask them a question about it, I'm like, but now tell me again what's so important about this thing. They're happy to tell you. They want to talk about Game of Thrones. And I have found that it's really easy for me to get a Game of Thrones recap. Same with like a book. Like, that's really cute. So you can say like, oh, I just picked up the new saga, for example. And I can't remember what happened in the last one. Someone is going to want to tell you that information. And it's a great way to talk to people about books. Find someone else who has read the book online or be part of an online community that's talking about the books. Or just encouraging friends to read it. Give a friend friend your book and then you guys can talk about it together and recap Book, the and then give me a book report so I can read the next one. Exactly. I actually love that. That's really, really cool. Okay, what do you do, Mallory? I totally have this problem. Again, I don't read a lot of book series, like prose book series, but I read a lot, a lot of comic book series. There's probably at least 20 comic book series that I am crazy about. Honestly, what I do is I read the Wikipedia summary of the first comic. I do this, oh. I do this with TV sometimes. I don't watch a lot of TV. I do this with a lot of things. Um, it's a quick reminder that just completely jogs my memory and if the comic doesn't have a wikipedia i just search somewhere on the internet i have the this, mine's basically the blog version of your idea somebody online has written a review somebody out there has written a quick summary of the last trade of whatever comic book you're reading and i just go and find it it takes it's a time saver it'll take you five to ten minutes online and it'll really you'll read this one or two paragraphs and be like oh okay i get this this, this person's doing that that person's doing this okay cool i got this time to read the next trade that's Awesome. That's how I made my way through grad, grad school. It's <laughs> Wikipedia. When I was like, I don't understand this book. I'm just going to Wikipedia. We <laughs> love Wikipedia. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to leave you with this episode's book connection, a way to connect with other readers online with the use of this week's hashtag. And this week, it's hashtag reading comics. Show us your favorite comic on Instagram, or for some extra awesome, tweet at us the handle of your local comic book store. We want to see them. We'll share some comics that we love. We will talk about our local comic book store, which is Secret Headquarters. Really, really great store. And yeah, we want to see your stuff. So if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us to reach more readers. Remember, for our hearing-impaired fans, Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to Greta, G-R-E-T-T-A dot com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite Reading Glasses moments into clips that you can share on social media. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast or on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. You can always follow us along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. So thanks for listening. And and thanks thanks for reading. reading. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.